1: Post-game head of the pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber. We're coming to you, I guess it's early Friday morning after the Packers' 34-17 win against the 49ers. They exercised their Levi's Stadium demons after two losses in in a 74-28 combined score, I believe it was last year, but against basically the 49ers' JV team tonight the Packers couldn't afford to lose, and they took care of business. And and this isn't a game where you say, oh, the 49ers didn't have anyone. The Packers did what they had to do. And Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, like we've talked about so many times on this show, they took over and showed why they're probably the most dangerous quarterback-wide receiver duo in the league. Bill, what did you think of how the Packers played today, not only on offense but defense, and how they kind of took care of business given the personnel – deficiencies the 49ers had.
2: Yeah, you said it, Matt. They took care of business. I mean, look, I, I called them the San Francisco 25s in my story. I, 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 I thought 24 <laughs> and a half was a, a little awkward, so I, I rounded up. But, I mean, they had, what, 10 starters on IR between between Garoppolo and Mostert and you know receivers or either IR or an active. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get much out of it, but you're right. You, you've got to win these games. You've got to win convincingly. Mission accomplished.
1: Yeah, and what I wrote about tonight, and I think this is probably the leading story from the game, is we got to start talking about Devontae Adams as the best wide receiver in the league. It, you know, it, he we're, – we're not – and especially you, Bill. You've been covering him his whole career. But the things he does on a weekly basis, route running, pass catching, just making professional defensive backs who get paid millions of dollars to stop him look absolutely silly. In his past three games, he has 30 catches for 422 yards and six touchdowns. He now leads the NFL with eight touchdown catches, and he's only played in five and a half games. There have been nine weeks of the NFL season. He has fewer games played than anyone in the top 25 in receiving yards. He went from 20th place to fifth place in receiving yards tonight, and the only other person who's played the same amount of games as him in that top twenty-five is George Kittle, who didn't play tonight. He's on IR, possibly done for the season. His production is ridiculous. His abilities are ridiculous. Yeah, it helps to have Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, but Bill, Bill is it time we start mentioning this guy in the same breath or even above the likes of DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and and the such?
2: It is. You know, it's interesting. You know, he's. I mean, you've been around him. I mean, he he's not a big guy. I mean, he he's not like DK Metcalf. He's not Julio Jones. Um, you know, the Packers flirted with Will Fuller. You know, Will Fuller can run like crazy. I mean, he doesn't. Devontae doesn't run like crazy. So, I think he's always dinged for his traits because he's he's not this freak. So, I I think that always, I think that's maybe held against him for for whatever reason, or maybe that he was a second round draft pick and all those guys are first, whatever it is. But he is. Look, he beat Jason Verrett tonight. He's a damn good corner. Um, I looked he's up. Been,
0: he's been one of the best
2: stuff, corners in the was, league this year. Yeah, he was third in the NFL ahead of Jair. in like yards per pass route, a damn good corner, and he just destroyed him. And he, and, you know, Mosley's a good corner. He destroyed him too. Um, it, it doesn't matter what corner he's playing. It doesn't matter the scheme. Devontae Adams is winning um, again and again and again. Um, it is, it's remarkable what he's doing.
1: Here's a, cu- a couple of quotes from Devonte Adams tonight. He said, "I don't ever expect to lose a rep when I do. It's kind of a shock to me. That's amazing. And then he said, "Yes, absolutely. I think I'm the best wide receiver in the game. and And with him, you know, Jair Alexander says he's the best corner. So and- so says they're the best d tackle. So-and-so says they're the best kicker. When Devonte Adams says it, you believe it because, you know, there's a reasonable case to make that it's true. And like you said, Mosley and I know Richard Sherman wasn't out there but Mosley and and Verrett are are not slouches I mean granted they're not you know Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters or or you know a top cornerback duo in the league but it's not like they're the they're the c-team on the 49ers that that they had on the offensive side of the ball so the things he's able to do against pretty good corners in this league is is ridiculous and I think It's about time we start talking about him as one of the best in the league, if not the best, and I don't think that's unreasonable. He's on a record pace. He's on pace to catch 20 touchdowns this season. That would put him third all-time for a single season behind Randy Moss and Jerry Rice, and he's the first player since Randy Moss in 2007 when Moss caught 23 touchdowns, most in a single season in NFL history, to top 600 receiving yards and, eight, and catch eight touchdowns in his first six games of a season. So a record-setting pace. And I guess we'll use that to transition to another wide receiver, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And listen, we talked about this after week one. The MVS experience is, is something to behold. And I don't know how Packer fans endure it every week, but that first drop he had, I'm watching the game in my apartment here in Green Bay going like, Jesus this is why they need to trade for someone at the deadline. But then he comes back and catches two touchdowns. His only two catches of the game. Uh, how do Packer fans watch this guy each week, Bill? I know we, we try and cover the team objectively, but you look at the TV and be like, this has to be frustrating for anyone with a rooting interest in this team.
2: Uh, I think you watch it with a beer or maybe two beers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably more. <laughs>
2: Um, and you know, maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a drinking game and he, you know, he drops one you, you know, you have a shot. I don't, I, I don't know else, I don't know <laughs> how else you, you watch it. Um, but he's going to keep playing, um, ABC has to, I mean, they have no one else, but, um, you still can't teach six foot four and four, three something. Right. I mean, that that is an unteachable thing and he might break your heart, Matt, but you just got to keep running him out there. Don't you?
1: You do. And we've said it before on this show, he'll always have a spot on an NFL field because of how fast he is, because he can separate from anyone. He can get open. And that's step one to being an NFL wide receiver is getting open. And if you get open, Aaron Rodgers is going to put it in your hands. And that first drop he had was ridiculous. Like that's, I believe the fifth time this season that MVS has dropped a catchable ball, which Rob Domovsky had a stat out there. I think, In terms of drop percentage on catchable balls among qualifying receivers, he either ranks first or second in the league among, and that's not a good first or second, that's a bad first or second. Um, But then he comes back and, you know, has that deep catch on the long touchdown. I mean, if he dropped that, you just got to cut him on the spot. And then he gets open in the end zone uh, on kind of a scramble drill there for his second touchdown catch. And that's what keeps drawing you in. The drops make you want to cut him. the catches and separation. He gets on guys make you want to uh, crown him. And Alan Lazard should be coming back next week against the Jaguars. Um, that would be the last week they have to activate him because he's been practicing. Uh, maybe not last week. I think they might have one more after that, but I assume he'll be back against the Jaguars. He seemed pretty close. LaFleur said he's close, but if you get the the MVS you saw, the good MVS tonight with Devontae and Lazard, maybe you don't need to trade for a wide receiver. Do you think that's enough to to get this team where they need to go in the playoffs at the receiver position?
2: No, I, I don't think so. Um, By the way, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, he is number one in drop percentage.
1: There you go. Um, so he is first.
2: But no, I, I just don't think it's enough, man. I mean, it, it, you know, these are the guys that had at San Fran in the playoffs last year, right? I mean, they had Lazard, they had MVS, and they had Adams, and it wasn't good enough then. Now I realize um, Lazard's a better player now than he was last year because with experience, and Rodgers is better and Adams is better. Um, but, no, I, I mean, they're, they're going to face legit defenses, and I, I have a hard time believing that these guys are going to be good enough. Um, you know, unless the defense shows vast improvement, but, you know, is, is – I got to hate this, you can deal with, you can deal with one or two drops. If, if you get a few of those, I mean, just the mere threat of him beating you deep is probably opens up things but for everybody enough. else too. So I, I think you just gotta, you gotta deal with it. You gotta suck it up and, you know, grab a couple of beers or a couple of fingers of scotch or tequila or whatever Rogers drinks
0: <laughs> looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone.
1: And last thing I want to touch on on the offensive side of the ball before we move to defense is I think we all thought Aaron Jones was like an emergency option tonight. I thought we all figured he was going to be, you know, if Dexter Williams gets hurt, which he did, if Tyler Irvin gets hurt or needs to take a couple of plays off or if uh, you have a third down passing situation where you need Aaron Jones as a pass blocker, you throw him in there. He touched the ball on each of the first four plays of the game carried 15 times for 58 yards. He had a couple carries for loss where the offensive line didn't quite hold up, but you saw, I don't know if he's 100%. I'd assume that the the conservative medical staff that is the medical staff of the Green Bay Packers wouldn't put him out there if they felt there was any risk of re-injuring that calf, but I thought he was pretty effective in what he was able to do. Granted, that they, they kind of rode the air more than they did the ground game tonight, but. You know, were you surprised how much work they gave Jones tonight?
2: Yeah, because I mean, I, I read the same Twitter you read and everybody else read where he's going <laughs> to be, they're going to, they're going to be cautious with them and safe with them. You know, and I'm reading all these things thinking if he's a hundred percent play the guy, now, I mean, you're not going to give him 25 carries because he, he hadn't really practiced in a while. Um, but I just think if, if you're healthy, you got to play the guy, which is apparently with what LeFleur did, um, There was a carry, I believe it was early second quarter. He gained seven yards. It wasn't kind of a whole hum thing ultimately, but I mean, he split two defenders. And I'm thinking, God bless Jamal Williams, but if if that was Williams, he'd have gained one. But he is just so electric through the hole. He's just a big play waiting to happen. And yeah, you know, ultimately his numbers weren't fantastic, but I think his mere presence out there just opens up everything else because, I mean, the Niners look really worried about him and. He, he is a difference maker by his mere presence out there and you're gonna get Lazard back like you said, you know Jones should be one hundred percent full go here after the after this many buy um this is gonna be a pretty formidable offense. Is, is it good enough to beat the great teams? I don't know, but um when you look at the upcoming schedule, I think they've got more than enough horses to get there.
1: I definitely agree and you mentioned it earlier. I think we know the offense can get the job done, but Especially with, I mean, we, we're, we're talking about Lazard and Jones. They they have been missing, arguably, the world's best left tackle for the past three games. And it's, it, actually, I want to touch quickly on the offensive line, actually, because they, they don't get enough love. And David Bakhtiari is possibly the best left tackle on planet Earth. And he's missed the last three games with, with a rib injury that he suffered uh, in the second half of the Buccaneers game a couple weeks back. and the offensive line has been pretty good. Granted, you're not facing Nick Bosa or DeForest Buckner or, you know, the best defensive lines in the league. But tonight you have Rick Wagner at right tackle, Billy Turner at left. Rick Wagner goes down. Billy Turner goes to right tackle. Elton Jenkins goes from left guard to left tackle. John Runyon Jr. comes in at left guard. And Elton Jenkins goes to center to finish the game. I don't know what happened to Corey Lindsley. I didn't even realize Elton Jenkins was at center. This this offensive line, yeah, Rodgers took one sack tonight, but going back to week one, all the moving parts they've had and the amount of time they've given Rodgers and and the space they've provided in the run game, it's pretty impressive. And and they rarely have penalties on them. Like More penalties have been called on the tight ends uh, in pre-snap stuff than, than the offensive line. How impressed have you been with what the offensive line has been able to do not only tonight but this year with all the moving parts they've had?
2: blown away by it. Not in a thousand years would I have guessed this. I mean, seriously, Brian Balaga, I thought was one of the best right tackles in football. He left and I thought, boy, these guys are screwed because Billy Turner was not a good right guard last year. And Now you're going to put a guy who can't play guard worth of crap, you're going to put him at right tackle? I mean, Rogers is going to get killed. This is, I mean, this is what I'm thinking. He's been fantastic. And then, and then Bakhtiari goes down. No team in the league has a backup left tackle. I mean, there's like 15 <laughs> left tackles in the league that are good. Everybody else stinks or is mediocre. Like, like the Niners. I mean, Justin School was taken to school. So th- that Billy Turner can play really good at right tackle blew me away. That he can play left tackle blows me away. Um, that Elton Jenkins can play everywhere is is pretty incredible considering he's a second year guy. Um, this to me is is great as Rogers has played. This, to me, is the ultimate surprise. This group has been fantastic. And you, you mentioned the Niners. I mean, Eric Armstead's out there. He killed these guys yeah. in both games last year. He did. And Kerry Hitter, I think, had four and a half sacks. So no, nobody knows who Kerry Hitter is, but he, he's had some production this year. And I'm not sure I saw Armstead's um, name or number call tonight. An, an unbelievable performance.
1: I was going to say because I sometimes get Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner mixed up. I know Buckner was traded to the Colts for the number 13 overall pick with which the 49ers selected Javon Kinlaw. Um, I Googled Eric Armstead's name tonight to make sure he was like healthy and, and on the team. And the first thing that came up was, you know, Eric Armstead was called for a penalty or, or he <laughs> made a bad play tonight or something. I mean, the offensive side of the ball for the 49ers was is what really has all the deficiencies and injuries and stuff like that granted Nick Bosa's not there Buckner's not there Richard Sherman's out but they still have Fred Warner they still have Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley uh like you said Armstead they still have some good players in there and the Packers just dispatched them and and Speaking of, uh, it's a pretty rough transition there. That wasn't the best transition <laughs> I've had in the eight weeks we've been doing this. But I, I think the people it's will one, let it go. It's, it's one oh eight in the morning. Who cares? Um, you mentioned it earlier. The defensive side of the ball is what's going to need to step up this year to put the Packers over the top. I, listen, hot seat, hot seat, whatever. Is Mike Patton on the hot seat? Probably going into this game. If the 49ers were able to beat the Packers tonight with, with their JV team, Matt LaFleur might not have let Mike Patton back on the plane back to Green Bay, but they got the job done. A couple garbage time scores, and for the most of the game, they it allowed only three points. They had a key stop from Ty Summers and Rashawn Gary in the red zone on fourth down. A uh, couple big turnovers was Darius Smith's strip sack and recovery, and Raven Green's interception on a Preston Smith pressure. Listen, i know it's the j v team of the 49ers and it would be a different game if if all their starters were in, but you gotta make do with what you're given and mike petton's defense did that tonight
2: they did um there's a couple of break i mean th- that that long catch and run there you, in the was that the, it was the first half for sure i forget which quarter it was um you know that bothers you because that's that's a breakdown you you shouldn't have and that's what i was looking for tonight was, was the breakdowns um because you know, man against man, you fair Green Bay is going to win. It's got better players, but you know, the the mental breakdowns was kind of what I was looking for. I, I, and I, did, there, I didn't see a lot of it. I mean, there were some guys open, but I didn't think it was a a huge problem. They they pretty well kept the running game in check. In the in the Smiths woke up. We've we've talked about the Smiths probably every podcast. Um, they had not done much this year, and I'm telling you, you give zadarius Smith a lead. <laughs> watch out. <laughs> He's he's pretty damn good when you give, give him a lead.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, listen, we've got on the Smiths on this podcast, especially last week for their lack of pressures, their lack of impact plays, and it's still not what you want, but Preston had the big pressure, like I said, on Raven Green's interception where he forces Nick Mullins to just pop the ball up there, and basically Raven Green, all he had to do was Park under he had he had time to get his college degree there. He could (laughs) have, you know, sat down and taken a nap before picking that off. And then Zedarius. Those were the plays that kept Zedarius from the defensive player of the year conversation last year. Those impact turnover type plays, and he strips Nick Mullins, recovers it. Um and and that's what this defense has to do. And granted, it's against Justin School, I think it was, the backup left tackle, because Trent Williams was out because he was a high-risk close contact. Um, deemed this morning. But like we've said, you got to you gotta do what you got to do with what you're given. And all in all, I think this was a good win for the Packers, get them back on the right track. And listen, it could have been us out there. Matt LaFleur wasn't going to take his foot off the gas given how last year went for the Packers at this stadium. So that'll put a bow on, on talking about the game. What do we got in terms of reader questions? Let's get to a couple before we get out of here.
2: You know, it's amazing that the Packers win a game it's very quiet. Very quiet. People
1: love asking questions after they lose, Bill.
2: People love losing. So I gotta I gotta set this up because there's one I need to save for last. I'm um, because okay. this is fantastic. This is from autographing. Um, do you guys think Irvin shows up more in the passing game after tonight's performance? Although Lazar is coming back soon.
1: Yeah, I, I think I really liked what I saw from Tyler Irvin tonight, and I think we knew. He was capable of this. I didn't know he was capable of some of the stuff he did in the run game. He's a smaller guy. Yeah, he only had eight carries for 24 yards, but he he seemed a little shifty in there. He had four catches for 48 yards. That's 12, 12 yards per catch. And, you know, he's practiced at wide receiver more often than running back. Um, they claimed him in week 13 last year after the the 49ers game in the regular season last year to help their punt return game. And he's slowly been integrated as kind of a gadget piece in this offense. He was used today more as a, a traditional guy out of the backfield with Jamal and A.J. Dillon down and Dexter Williams hurt. But I think there's a reason to incorporate more of Tyler Irvin, especially since he's such a key part of the pre-snap motion stuff. I thought it was funny what Devontae Adams said. I asked him, you know, when you guys claimed Tyler Irvin week 13 last year, did you ever think he could play any sort of role in this offense? And what do you think about what he did tonight? And Devante, who went to Fresno State, um, and Tyler Irvin went to San Jose State, said, you know, when we first claimed him, I was hesitant to talk to him and go up to him because of how badly, you know, he beat up on Fresno State. And, And Jimmy Durkin, who's managing editor for the Athletic Bay Area, who went to San Jose State, mentioned this on Twitter tonight. Irvin against Fresno State his senior year in 2015, when Adams was already in the NFL, of course. Irvin had 42 carries for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and four catches for 45 yards. And Devontae saw that and said, screw you. (laughs) I'm not talking to you when you come to the Packers. But now, of course, he has to. Adams called him the perfect teammate tonight. And I think there is – I got carried away there a little bit. But I think there is a role for him in this offense going forward. What do you think?
2: That's amazing. I I have sports reference open right now because I had this all queued up. Yep, three (laughs) – 345 yards of total offense in that game. (laughs) That's insane! (laughs) He had uh, almost 2,000 yards his senior year. I'm going to go into that, though. He was a fourth-round pick by the Texans in 16, and I've I've written about this a few times. In his first four years in the NFL, before he got to the green base, I guess it would be three and a half years, the guy had 14 catches and five carries. Total. He had 19 touches in three and a half years, and to me, it's just... Amazing. I mean, everybody talks about the second-year jump from guys or sometimes the third-year jump. When have you ever seen a guy become a real factor in year five? But he is. You know, the jet sweep stuff, it works because he's a threat with it. And you saw it tonight, he too, is. where he can be a legit – I know Joe Buck said the word gadget player 15 times tonight. But he's a hes a legit player. And and you can see why – and I think it was Rodgers who said this – you watch Irvin go to work, and you wonder, what did everybody else miss? What did Houston miss? What did Jacksonville miss? Um, because the guy's got some explosion and some skill. And incredibly, on team number three and year number five, Irvin has phoned a home. And yeah, I, I totally agree that he needs to be – well, I shouldn't say he needs to I mean, he's, he's, had a, he's he's played a lot, but good things happen when he's got the ball. No doubt. All right. Let's find some more questions here from Rich Ward. This is kind of back to the Devontae Adams question here, but it seems like Rodgers can just put the ball near Devontae and he'll adjust or contort his body with precision to make that catch. What skill is that? Can it be learned? That's a fantastic question. It is.
1: I think we've heard Rodgers talk a lot about um, that unspoken connection he had with Jordy Nelson in that you put the ball where you put it, no words are said, All there is, is eye contact between receiver and quarterback that essentially says non-verbally, I know where you're throwing it. I know what I have to do with my body. I know where the ball is going to be and I will catch it. And it was after the Seahawks game last year, after the Vikings game early this year, I'm assuming after the Texans game, after this game where Rodgers doesn't have to say anything to Devontae in the huddle. He doesn't have to say anything to him on the sideline. He just puts it where he puts it, and Devontae knows what to do. But, yes, to answer that question, it is a learned skill to be able to contort your body to do that. For example, on the first catch, that is not an easy thing to deftly push. Uh, I'm not saying Devontae pushed off, but there was a hand there. It was not an outstretch hand, but to deftly separate from Emmanuel Mosley, contort your body, make the catch on the back shoulder, then have the wherewithal to fall in the end zone, not only with one foot, but also get his elbow in within an inch of the white line. That's a skill. That's not luck. That's not just, oh, he got lucky landing in bounds. No, he knows exactly where he is. He knows exactly the angle at which he's turning his body and that's every day I, – listen, I don't know what Devontae Adams does on a daily basis to practice that. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have him on the show one day to, to figure that out, but that's a skill. And, and he's one of the best in the world at doing it.
2: Yeah, there's things – there's just things that can't be taught. I mean, there's just you're, – you're I mean, you can improve things. You can hone your craft, but some guys are just blessed with uh, ridiculous skill. I, I don't know. Um, that's, that's why they are who they are and we are who we are, you know? It just – some some people have and some don't, and Devontae's got it. And what he does um, blow, blows me away sometimes. So that, that catch in the end zone, amazing. And, and you know, he, had the, he almost had that long game up the sideline, and he barely stepped out of bounds. But, I mean, the balance from up that sideline, I, mean, I mean, even even stuff like that, I mean, he just makes catches that, that, that he makes them look so routine now because we're so used to it. All right, Dr. Yeah, Stevens. I'm not sure what kind ahead. of doctor he is. Maybe like Dr. Pepper. <laughs> But Dr. Stevens wants, and this is back to the MVS stuff. Um, what is your or where is your confidence with MVS long term? Because of his ups and downs are piling up. But I know Adams has a similar drop. Adams had a similar drop issue before breaking out. Do we see? Do you see a similar comeback career path for MVS, or is volatility going to hurt him? Uh, I want to
1: give that one to you, Bill, because I obviously wasn't here for for Devonte the beginning of Devonte's career. What was that like in terms of the? the fan pressure to kind of move on from him and, and how quickly did he bounce back from that? And, and obviously MVS doesn't have the same skills that Devonte has, but are there any parallels in the two?
2: No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't see, I, um, in 2015 Adams had an ankle injury and he, and he played through it. Um, he wasn't very good. He wasn't very productive. The fans got him. Um, the, the fans wanted Jeff Janis to play ahead of Adams. People wanted him oh, cut. No. I mean, it was, It was remarkable, and and you keep telling people, "Well, he's hurt," (laughs) and it it didn't it didn't matter because I think people, uh, I think a lot of people see when a player's playing and assume that he's good enough. And you know, I um, he came back in 2016, and he is who he is. So, you know, you know, and you know this, Matt. Either you can catch the ball, or you can't catch the ball. Um, you can improve it to some extent, but I just think that if you are a guy who drops passes, you are probably a guy who's always going to drop passes.
1: Yeah, Th- that's putting it succinctly. I mean, I, uh, there was this issue with the Raiders when I covered the Raiders, who would always ask John Gruden, how do you practice or, or improve drops? You know, do you, do you wet the ball? Do you just go on the jugs machine? No, it's really more mental. You know, these guys are in the league because they can catch the ball. If they can't catch the ball in the league, that's probably more mental. And, you know, that's a, a whole other thing in itself. But like you said, I don't see many similarities. I obviously wasn't here for the beginning of Devontae's career, but it, it just doesn't seem like MVS could ever get to the level that Devontae's at right now. But if he can minimize those drops and, and give the Packers – even a fraction of the good he gave them tonight, he's going to stay around here. <laughs> they have no reason to get rid of him if, if he keeps giving them that.
2: Uh, I got two more here for you. This is right. Ryan Steppen. Are we a thing now again? I heard so much bleep about us. He didn't use the word bleep. So much bleep about us, and a lot of people were like, y'all are going to lose. Are we good again, or just lucky that we're really banged up, or they were really banged up? I I will say... It's amazing how many people thought they were gonna lose. I remember I put the opening betting line up for this game, um, probably within an hour or so after the Minnesota game. And like everybody on Twitter, if I had if I'd bet the house on the 49ers, I'd bet a thousand dollars. I if the forty ers were thirty point favorites, I'd still take the forty ers Unbelievable. Matt, are they a thing again?
1: Are the Packers a thing? I mean, there's such a love-hate relationship with this team among the fans. I mean, <laughs> after the Buccaneers game, it was, oh, they're done. Then after the Texans game, oh, they're back. After the Vikings game, they're done. After the 49ers game, they're back. Granted, they've never lost two in a row under Matt LaFleur, which is impressive in terms of their ability to bounce back. But I'd say they've never not been a thing this year. They've always had the offense to to win games. Granted, the Buccaneers game was a fluke in that regard, but... They play the Jaguars, the Colts, the Bears, the Eagles, the Panthers coming up. The Packers are going to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of can their defense come up with the impact plays like they had against the Saints, Zedarius' sack recovery, Um, sack fumble recovery, I should say. The play today, Zedarius' sack fumble recovery, an interception here and there. Jair Alexander needs to get healthy. He he left the game with a concussion and didn't return. Chris Barnes gets hurt every single game. Kevin King needs to get healthy. I have no concern over this offense's ability to produce, regardless of who they have on the field. It's the defense. And the Packers are a thing if their defense plays like they did tonight, granted against a far inferior opponent. But they're going to have to play the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the – the Colts, the Bears, the Titans down the road, and they need those splash plays that they had last year among the defense. They're going to give up their yards. They're going to give up their points, but if they can get the timely interception, the timely sack, then they are a thing. And tonight was the first indication really all year that we've gotten that tells us they will be able to do that. So I would say, yes, they are a thing for now until they lose to the Jaguars in 10 days. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean you you hit on you just happened to casually mention Chris Barnes being hurt. They're they're inside linebacker for that that they They're they they are so bad. Ugh. I mean, maybe Kamal Martin will be, maybe Kamal Martin will be a thing. Maybe Barnes will be a thing, maybe Kirksey will come back, but man oh man, they are they're a hot mess as the kids like to say. All right. We were saving the best for last, Matt. This is from Cecilia Bugface, who's frequently contributed to this podcast bless her.
1: Thank you, Cecilia. This is I fantastic. This, is, this is all for you,
2: Matt. Would a kangaroo yes. be able yes. to cover Devonte Adams? Oh,
1: thank God. What all a right. question. So I was hoping for this question because I saw a tweet today, and my mom was actually – shout out my mom, Eileen. She was the first one to send it to me today via text, and it was a tweet from some business professor at the University of Illinois who said – if you're, done, if you're tired of looking at electoral college maps, here's this map that colors states based on how legal it is to own a kangaroo. <laughs> and Wisconsin is one of three states in the country, along with West Virginia and South Carolina, where it's legal to own a kangaroo without a permit. And I was fascinated by that. Listen, PETA, if you're listening to this podcast, we appreciate you. I'm not looking to own a kangaroo. He's they should be two. free to roam wild. I live in a studio apartment in downtown Green Bay. That would be harmful to the kangaroo to put him in here. Granted, it would be awesome to walk a kangaroo or ride a I don't know what you do to kangaroos. <laughs> to ride a kangaroo. River. Ride a kangaroo, ride in its pouch, its joey, whatever. It would be awesome. And I think the fact that kangaroos are legal to own in Wisconsin is another great thing about this state. Could a kangaroo cover Devontae Adams? Kangaroos have a mean left hook. Kangaroos have a mean kick. You know, granted, the kangaroo would probably get called for pass interference because it doesn't have the football IQ to not make contact with the receiver past five yards, but kangaroos have the physique and the speed to keep up with Devontae Adams. They have the quick twitch. I'm using Mel Kuyper terms now. I'm getting carried away. They have the, the – I'm not even going to try to do that. But, yes, I think a kangaroo could cover Devontae Adams if it studies the playbook a little bit. If it doesn't, could commit some penalties – could get some defensive pass interference calls, and then maybe we'd have to outlaw the ownership of kangaroos without a, without a permit in Wisconsin. But listen, I'm just fascinated by this rule, and quite frankly, it made my day because kangaroo Twitter is a very peaceful place unlike every other kind of Twitter. So I'm, I'm in a kangaroo mood right now, as I'm sure you can tell.
2: I think you, you should get a kangaroo.
1: No, no, no. No, you should. Do that.
2: Then take it to Lambo. You know, stick your laptop in its pouch. And then take it to Lambeau. And then when, when Walt, Jason Waller's the head of PR, says, what are you doing with a kangaroo? And say, it's my emotional support animal.
1: It's my emotional. If I walked into the Hudson Center with an emotional support kangaroo one day, holy crap. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. I would run Wisconsin with a kangaroo. I think you'd have to appoint me the new governor. Absolutely. Listen, that I mean... There's no good way to end this podcast after that. You kind of just have to end it
2: after that, right? Absolutely. That's why why I stayed it for the end. All right. We're going to get out of here.
1: It's 126. We're going to go to bed before before we ruin more of your brain cells. For Bill, I'm Matt. You know where you can find us. Bill on SI, me on The Athletic. For our super producer, Danielle, this has been Head of the Pack. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.